You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 80, Jesus Christ Superstar Part 4, continuation of the album. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Stadium Theater Performing Arts Center and Conservatory, Matola. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I forgot. I thought you were going to explain that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do it after the introductions. Okay. Coming to you from the suburbs of the center of Brooklyn, Paul Hughes, uh, or I guess I should come up with a cool nickname, Paul Albert Einstein's Eyeballs Hughes. <laughs> I get that reference, but I you do. <laughs> I do. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, you're referring to the fact that Yoda was modeled after uh, uh, Albert Einstein's eyeballs. That, <laughs> that is the second of two Albert Einstein eyeballs facts. I was referring to the other one. <laughs> What's the other one? Albert Einstein's eyeballs are stored <laughs> in New York City. <laughs> they are? Really? They just kept his eyeballs? They just kept his eyeballs. I mean, that's the notable thing about Albert Einstein. Yes. Like, what If you name one thing about him, he had really good vision. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Well, I just knew that they when they were, they were coming up with Yoda, they wanted him to look really wise, and they used a picture of Albert Einstein, and they used his eyeballs to model what Yoda's eyeballs should look like. I mean, it, has I nothing, it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but... <laughs> I didn't know either one of those was a thing until just now. Wow, you uh, just learned two vital... I doubled my Al- Albert Einstein eyeball uh, knowledge, and you had an infinite increase. <laughs> so, okay, and I just got one more question for you guys. Yes. What kind of building container uh, do you... Uh, conveyance do you think they're stored in? A uh, mason jar. Like a, mm, all right. like one that was used uh, to bootleg moonshine or something. So what do you think? What do you reckon? I don't know. Like there's some kind of glass square container. A safety deposit box. <laughs> they, they can't just be in there loose. <laughs> they have to at least be in like a Ziploc bag or something, right? <laughs> Probably some fr- inside. Formaldehyde. <laughs> Maybe inside a mason jar inside a safety deposit box. I hope wow. so. Wow. If 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 not, I hope there's not like, people that don't have like some uh, some papers in there or something too. <laughs> it's disgust- absolutely disgusting. So, John, tell us about uh, the stadium theater and all so, the other stuff you added to it after this. So you, <laughs> I had to go with the full name. You know, I was I was I went for it, and come on, you guys know the stadium again of from your hometown of home city of One Socket, the stadium. Is that the historic, uh, six quarters? The the historic movie theater and concert venue built in 1926. No, that was was the Patriot you're thinking of. No, that's a stadium. No, he was, no, Paul was thinking a place we used to call Six Quarters because you could go there and see a movie for $1.50. So we called it Six six Quarters. But the Patriot, (laughs) the Patriot, the um, the stadium, stadium. yeah, my dad worked there recently. Like he was a volunteer there and his friend, Mm -hmm. um, because uh, they still do like concerts and things there. It was where they, mm-hmm. yeah, where they uh, premiered. There's something about Mary. 
was premiered there because the Farrelly mm-hmm. brothers are uh, right from that, I remember that from from our neck of the woods, mm-hmm. ne- next town over anyway. So that's I actually have never been there. I've driven by it a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. rolling into town to hang out with you guys, but never went really? to anything there. Well, I was right next yeah. to Chan's where we we talked about our uh, Monster Mike welsh um concert a few episodes back and um it was it was it's a beautiful old-fashioned style theater where you walk up like from the street and there's like the tile floor and the kiosk in the center with the tickets and um yeah it's, it's it's beautiful that's where i went to and there used to be parking across the street for like six cars or something so it just uh, but but we used to actually go there and see movies that's i think i think that's where i saw yeah, no, I know where that's where I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was probably one of the last movies that played there. And I saw a bunch mm-hmm. of other movies there when I was a kid, too. What is Monster Mike's connection to the Deep Purple family? None. We just were talking about how we, we <laughs> saw him and we were like uh, angry we, at him because he was so young and he was so much better than us. And then, of course, we looked it up. He's like, you know, two years younger than us. <laughs> but well, at the I mean, time, then, you know, it's, were you at that show with us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, you know, his connection is, is that we went to see him. We have a Deep Purple podcast, ergo, <laughs> that's his connection to Deep Purple. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> End of story. Makes sense to me. So, Ooh, uh, yeah, us. So if you want to help support the show, there's a few ways you can do it. One is becoming a patron on Patreon. Secondly, you could donate on PayPal. And third, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which I always forget to check, so I don't know if we have any new ones. But big thanks going out to our patrons this week. We have, coming in at the $25 Super Trooper tier, Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWordsOfStage.net. The $20 Shades of Deep Pockets tier, Ryan M. At the $15 Highball Shooter tier, we have Alan Ain't Too Proud to Beg. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, Frank Teelgard Mortensen. At the $10 No One Came tier... Hey, oh, somebody Hi-o. came. Jared Kelly joining us via PayPal was probably just too annoyed about hearing how that, that tier was vacant. So, Gerald, we thank you very much for your generous donation to the Deep Purple podcast. At the episode $6.66 tier, Richard Fusey, the $5 moneylender tier, we have, as always, Clay Wambacher, Greg Sealby, Mike Knowles, John Convery, Arthur Smith, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Fielding Fowler, and Kenny Wymore. The $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Gardo, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, and Will Porter. And at the $1 made-up name tier, Els Murders, Spacey Noodles, The Unearthly Leaky Mausoleum, and, of course, Michael Vader. Thank you so much to all of you. Um, thanks to our brothers at the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, The Simple Man is Skinner Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley, T-Bone's Prime Cuts, whose podcast is coming soon, Paul, David, and Joe at In the Lap of the Pods, and our good friend Scott Haskin is joining us with his upcoming Uriah Heap podcast debuting November 3rd, Nick Simper's birthday, be there, We're very excited about that, and then of course, the patron Satan archivist of the Deep Purple Podcast, Jorg Planer, thank you for all your help. All right, gentlemen. So here we are at the, the stunning conclusion of our four-part series on Jesus Christ Superstar, which we could probably do another ten parts on with all the other mm. things out there. But did but, we even devote this much time to Butterfly Ball? I can't even remember. We did. We did four parts on the Butterfly Ball. Pretty much yeah. followed the same. Okay. The only thing we did differently is we did the album in one episode because it was much basically better. the length of, even though it's got the same number of songs as Jesus Christ Superstar. Lengthwise, it's about the same as one side 
uh, one half of it. And then we did the, the fourth episode. We did the movie. So, Paul, will you join us for the movie uh, when we do that in the future? I shall. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to covering the movie. Based but. on uh, the fact that you guys have talked about how you've really come around on the movie, I look forward to some lively conversations. <laughs> you have not come around on it? When's the last time you saw it? Mm, 20 years ago. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, too, but... It's- been a while it's one of those ones i dig out every so often and just get in the mood to see it i mean i definitely came around to it at least around the time that we went to see the 93 or 94 stage production because i just thought you know ted neely was great ted neely uh was great um then yeah he's not like he got a lot better you're not as sold on him in the movie or the soundtrack right uh no but maybe this is the time that will be the charm We'll have to see plenty of other uh, material we could cover beyond that as well. But for now, there's one thing I forgot to mention in the last episode, which is a kind of a funny story, which is uh, the song. I don't know how to love him. So Weber in his book, he says that he'd seen Judy Garland in a movie called I could go on singing. And that was the that was also the title song. And say he said there was a line about when the cows come home. Uh, the director was a guy named Ronnie. Anim? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly, but he's a friend of Weber's uh, Auntie Vi, which strikes me because I had an Auntie Vi as well. Um, and he decided he talks about her a lot in the book, but he decided to play a song for the director. And he basically told the director, like, that song's fine, but I have a song that's even better, which is kind of cocky for this, like, whatever, 17 year old. I don't even know if he was 17 at that point. But the song that he played from ended up becoming I Don't Know How to Love Him. So it's a song that he had kind of had for a while. And the melody had been used. Um, in a, a 1968 song that Weber and Rice wrote called Kansas Morning, but the song had ne- was never recorded or anything, so they just basically repurposed it for Jesus Christ Superstar, which obviously ended up working pretty well. So, um, just a little tidbit I forgot to mention in, in last week's episode. But um, so this week, where did we leave off? What happened in the story? Where are we? What did what did Judas do? Who wants to recap? <laughs> When last we left Judas. (laughs) Last Last week on Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, well. Well, let's see. I I believe that the end of Jesus uh, Christ Superstar first half is with the uh, priests throwing uh, a bag of silver coins to Judas and being like, tell us where we can arrest him quietly. All right. And we Judas feeling much, much remorse, we thought much, much angst, con- conflict, much yeah. angst and conflict, much like a, a 90s alt rocker from <laughs> you know, where that Seattle, Washington. <laughs> exactly. So that leaves us to the opening of the second act here, which is the Last Supper, an event you may have heard of. If you're a, a biblical scholar such as Paul. Yeah, or if you're a fan of art or even uh, paint by numbers art. <laughs> yes. uh, like whoever did that sweet painting that we found in the basement of church one time. That's right. The paint by number Last Supper. Do you remember that, uh, John? I had that hanging up in my room. 
It was a. Oh, it was the last summer. It was paint by numbers, and somebody had painted it. And me and Paul, of course, just stole it. He's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> "Well, we're going to take this. We're going to steal this from church. What what harm could possibly come from that?" Um, I think they might have even been throwing it away, but we were like, "This is too perfect," and we put oh. it up in my room. And I think we made some speech bubbles for some of the some of the <laughs> your uh, room. Your room was the best. Like you know, uh, just the thing of. Like it was a, a cross between there were just like uh, like pictures of bands, but then there were just like funny pictures with word bubbles and like you know articles cut out and like you know stolen art apparently. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was one, a collage that covered the entire floor of a house. Yeah, it was but a, the yeah, and it was it was fantastic. And that and if I remember right, right, the ceiling was one of those like mm-hmm. like a cathedral type ceilings. They were like slanted. Am yeah, I that makes it up? sound a little more grandiose than it was. Yeah, I think I think that's. <laughs> That's 100% accurate. Like, well, I mean, yeah. the stained glass, like the light coming through. <laughs> really well, created I mean, you a know, mood. The, slant, the, the, the slanted ceilings upstairs on the, the second floor is basically what it yeah, was. Right. And there was there was one that sticks with me. Yep. Uh, that I remember. And it was it was it was like a newspaper article, like a lo- local teacher like gets kudos from school board or whatever. And your word bubble was like, thank you all. They were delicious. Like, <laughs> yes. like kudos, the candy bar. <laughs> yep. Which yep. I, at the time I was like, these guys are brilliant. And- <laughs> <laughs> Absolute genius. Well, the one that was, there was also this one picture I had that mm. was Jimi Hendrix playing like a note on the guitar and he's going like this, like being this. Ooh. And my cousin Jeff had said some, had said, he said, he looks, he looks, looks like he's saying what's that hard smell man so i <laughs> made a speech right. bubble that said that and one day paul's mom came up into my room to pick up paul or whatever and she saw it and she laughed so she was, she was in absolute hysterics like she she had to like run out of the room she was laughing so hard oh, oh um, that's too good uh, which is great I remember but if, what's that hard smell man <laughs> uh, i think the crown jewel though is the um portrait of winston churchill that, was that like found on the street no that was found by you and chris up in boston somewhere uh, okay. i don't somebody's house or he was house sitting for somebody i don't remember but yeah it was just, my memory is not great amazing but, you know, oil painting of winston churchill's chomping on a big stogie uh that one never really got to the wall because it was we didn't really know what to do with it um <laughs> other than treasure it but anyway uh the last Good supper times. Um, here we are, Jesus and all of his apostles are together and starts off, um, with them singing to Jesus. Um, and then Jesus and Judas will have a little, a little back and forth as they get into one of their, yet another fight. (laughs) And (laughs) then, uh, the apostles will take us out. So should we, uh, should we kick it off? Let's do. Here we go. The last supper. I just thought that was a really John Lord-esque type order. Uh, that little sound. runny does. Yeah. And it's very, it's got that percussive organ sound. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Hmm. 
Oh, bass is doing some cool stuff. Yeah, he's got some really nice runs going on throughout this. So this might be one of the longer tracks on the album here. So now Jesus is going to get angsty again here. He's kind of doing the doing the communion here with everybody. I like how he goes this whole monologue basically by himself and just gets himself increasingly more angry with everybody. (laughs) Nobody's saying anything. fishing for compliments in this. <laughs> he got pissed really fast. <laughs> you know, no one said anything. Yeah. One of you denies me, one of you betrays me. <laughs> no, not me. I like the guys. How can you say that? How can you <laughs> say that? And then basically he just continues to complain until Judas can't take it anymore and has to. Well, he just sells Judas right out. <laughs> yes. Listen to those key keyboards. And I like the idea, like the rest of the apostles are just kind of like, they're not even, they're just ignore. Oh, it's just those two. <laughs> Let's just, just go back a, to our song. It's just that old married couple bickering again. <laughs> right. Jesus begging for compliments we never give him. <laughs> Turn you in. I 
Song takes so many turns. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it could be three different songs. But now Judas runs off, kind of leaves Jesus and the apostles, and the apostles are have just been the rest of them have just been drinking to dull the pain of watching Jesus and Judas fight I guess I like the effect of it just kind of growing a little more distant and mm-hmm. and, and more drunk. <laughs> in a gentle pool of wine. Is it here that they say it? I think, yeah, what's that in the bread? Yeah, what's that in the bread? Or did they say that earlier? Oh, yeah, they say that in the, in the middle section. What's that in the bread? It's gone to my head. Um. 70s. <laughs> They've passed out, Jesus. Will none of you wait with me? Peter, John, James. So that's got to be the longest track on the album. It's mm-hmm. a little over seven minutes, but as you can see, it, it's got so many. It's got the recurring three times uh, the apostles singing. It's got Jesus talking about the end for a little while. It's got the big fight between Jesus and Judas, goes back to the apostles, goes to Judas and Jesus, the jaded Mandarin part, and then it ends again. And then ends. It, it has a little like um, outro ending of Jesus asking everyone to stay awake from them. So a lot happens in that, in that song, a lot going on. Yes. A lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. So what do you, what do you guys think about that song as a, as a whole, look. I mean, it's, it's almost feels like it should be rated three different ways because there's so much, yeah. so many different tra- parts to it. But who wants to take a stab at this one first? Uh, I'll jump in. So it kind of feels like it encapsulates uh, the entire thing, the entire story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got the uh, Judas. He's not really sure what's going on. Our ideals are dying around us, which is the whole story of the first song that he sings mm-hmm. this one uh a fight between jesus and judas you can't go very far without one of those <laughs> the apostles are terrible and aren't paying any attention <laughs> um kind of a hint of uh jesus's anguish and and loneliness uh so apart from von Elman, you've got like kind of all the apostle stuff going on yeah 
And also, it probably has the word Mandarin most of any single <laughs> album. It's true. Yeah, it's great. I love the jaded Mandarin part. I've always like really loved that idea and the um like is it is that like a is jaded mandarin from the bible like is that a thing i don't think so, I don't think so right like you know like we always wondered what that lyric meant but i and i still yeah. am not sure what it meant because i remember we looked it up we're like what is a what is a mandarin and then uh, i think didn't we say it was like we've uh, or at least i think i found out it was like a high-ranking official in the chinese government yeah. Well, there's and that, like, but I think they mean the like, Mandarin, but, like a Mandarin orange, like, like, yeah, but what but, sense does that make? Jesus well, it, is an orange. Well, no, I think it's Jade. It's like, so a Mandarin back then to get like an orange, like was like, oh my God, an orange. Like it was like a tr- special treat and like jaded means like molded. So it's like, we had this beautiful, like special fruit that like went bad and turned moldy and that's what I've always thought of it as kind of being like that kind of analogy. Yeah, I've always got I've always gone with the John analysis though. The high ranking really? Chinese official. Not oh, sure. like a J- made up strange. made of jade. That would make sense. No, just like like a faded, washed out somebody who maybe is not as important as they think they are. Yeah, or like they used to be important, um, but now they're they're kind of has been right. But it's uh, that just never made any real sense to me because no, I'm like, okay, really where does sense. where does like where does like China come into like play here? I thought they were in Jerusalem. Like it always just like right. I never got it. Like no, I don't get it either. But it's one of those things that's kind of like Shakespeare. You're like, I don't get it, but at least I'm thinking about it. It's like, uh, and it sounds good. I mean, in the song, it's like you're rocking along to it, and then you know somebody brings it up. It's like, what does that even mean? And then you spend like ten, <laughs> 10 minutes debating about it. Like, well, I guess it, it could also be like a jaded Mandarin, like a Mandarin. You said a high-ranking official, so you're like a high-ranking official who's become jaded and isn't going to act appropriately or isn't, isn't going to take yeah, things seriously. Is a jaded Mandarin is um, Pilate and Herod. It's yeah, weird that Jesus is the guy who gets called one. Hmm. Yeah. I always thought I always thought it was kind of a like like I said jaded like meaning turned green it's gotten gone moldy it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, kind of that's uh, a different interpretation that you have made I never orange, never thought it? of it before I think we'd have to ask Tim Rice to really get the real answer but at any rate I always loved the, I'm on the phone right now <laughs> I've always loved the imagery of it like the, it's, I always thought it was that to me is one of the most powerful moments in the whole thing is when he's 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 uh calling him a jaded mandarin and yeah, you know obviously like, tim rice also really liked the imagery of it yes i mean this is he said every word five times <laughs> <laughs> and uh and like the um you know i always loved the line and and the saddest cut of all like that's just kind of a really i honestly i think the, the lyrics to this entire thing are brilliant like he tim rice gets all the credit he deserves it's really really well done it would be so easy to have all of these same themes uh with with lyrics that were so much cheesier or just uh, too overly serious i think he, he adds a perfect amount of like humor and interesting imagery like this and it's great um but as far as rankings where, where, where are you guys falling with this one I'm going to go with a five because I think it does sort of sum up a lot of the stuff. And if you just wanted to 
tell somebody the story, you could probably just play the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's really like the it's like really the climax. It's one of the like that, you know, the part in the movie, like the the modern movies where like somebody's it's building up to something or somebody's lying or somebody's going to get their comeuppance and that's the reveal part. It's just like, ooh, you know. So <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. like this is like the money shot, you know, right here. This is like the scene. So. Actually, you know, now that you say that, it kind of reminds me of um, we were just talking, you know, a couple minutes ago, like. Last time on Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> this song is at the beginning. There's probably an intermission, right? And then they do this song. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably like, in case you forgot, because you fell asleep halfway through the first act. Here's here's what happened. You just went out into the lobby to smoke for for right. twenty minutes, so you might have forgotten where we're at. Yeah, it, is, it does kind of just re, it kind of recaps you, gets you back up to speed with with what's yeah, going on. But yeah, it pretty much tells you how everything else is going to go. So, Right. Also, I think it's kind of interesting um, where Judas is like, you want me to do it? Mm-hmm. What if I just stayed here and ruined your ambition? Yeah. He's- uh, so it's like tackling all the stuff about like, is this necessary? Is Judas um, doing what Judas wants? Is he necessary? Is is he doing something bad? Well, yeah, definitely get this whole musical definitely seems to have the take like Ju- Judas is doing what what's at, which is weird because you have so much anguish later on. But it's it's um, it's clear that this is what it, it, what Jesus wants from him, or at least it, it seems like it from the song. But mm-hmm. um, well, guys, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm giving this one a five as well. This is one that I always sing in the shower. This is, uh, I'd say if it was just the, like when the apostles start singing at the beginning, I'd be like, eh, kind of seems like this is going to be a lame song. But as soon as Jesus and Judas get into it and when it, it kind of the climax to me is that jaded Mandarin part is, um, it's just that part to me is, is one of the defining moments of the whole album. And uh, I just I love it. If 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 I broke this into separate songs, they're probably like the apostles part would probably get like a three or a or a, a four or something. Um, but the that whole exchange between Jesus and Judas would be would be tops for me. Yeah, well, I'm going with the five as well. Hey, oh, should I start the shower back up? I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, hey, go ahead. I, I don't sing at all in the shower, but you can put it on. Really? You don't sing in the shower? No. It's got I, great, such great acoustics. I listen in the shower. I hope this isn't making people feel like they have to pee if they're listening to this on a long commute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, I would agree like that, that part of Jesus and Judas back and forth, like fighting, like, like singing over each other, like every like... Um, like that half second step or whatever, where they're like singing over each other, like fighting. It was always my favorite part in the whole thing because it was like, they finally confronted each other and they were both singing like so great too, you know? And um, really the, the apostle singing part was kind of lame, but it's like, um, if you, um, you know, in like listening to it now, the organ and especially the bass were doing like the bass was doing some really interesting stuff. I never noticed it before. So that alone just made that part even better. And um, just all the other, you know, all the other parts, Jesus just seeing his really tender, um, you know, emotional parts. I mean, you know, Ian Gillen was great. And it's, it's really, it's really kind of unusual how, how like dry 
they produced as vocals. You know, it's just they just let them be just kind of like all out there. They're just like, yeah, here's here's a mic, like just sing into it. We're not no effects, no nothing. And he's still, you know, he sounds fantastic. Yeah, and there's even parts where Gillen's singing isn't like perfect, where he's like the end, and his voice like kind of cracks a little bit. But I think it, it whether it was just because he was only in the studio for such a short amount of time and just they cranked it out, or whether it was intentional, I don't know. But it's like, well, Murray had cracked a few times too, like in the, yeah. the beginning of the faded, jaded, you know, part. He's like he had that little like that little crack, or like he was kind of gasping a little bit. But I feel like they just kept first takes, and they're like, yeah, that's good. We got the emotion. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, he didn't. You'd be like, "Can you do it again?" But yeah, n- nowadays it'd be like, "Let's just keep doing that again. Let's do it twenty-five more times until it's perfect." But I, I really like that. Like the little cracking bits really, really mm-hmm. sounds. Uh, yeah. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the the next track. So we had that Murray Head uh, solo at the very beginning of the album, the first track, really after the overture, and now we've got Jesus alone by himself. All the apostles are asleep. And he's grappling with uh, what's about to happen to him. Um, this is the song Gethsemane and uh, Gethsemane and in parentheses, I only want to say. And um, if you know anything about Jesus Christ Superstar, particularly Gillen's performance in it, this is this is regarded as obviously one of Gillen's finest uh, performances ever. And um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything more to say about that before we get into it, but the highlight. All That's right. The highlight of the album. All right, let's uh, get into it then. Here is Gethsemane. I like how it's just acoustic guitar and but the and some very inventive bass going on behind it. The bass just never quits on this album. Nope. It's never just sitting back being like, oh, what uh, G B? Yeah, I'm just gonna play the root of the chord. I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I really like this bass player because he uh, is clearly bored during ballads. <laughs> well, that gives it so much more character to be. Right playing around he's not but it's all tasteful it's not like it's not like Stu Ham in here doing two finger tapping or anything who <laughs> played the Charlie Brown theme he's you know he's playing really tasteful stuff and here we have another example of a great build to a song. Yeah, the build in the song is great. Anymore. I have to know, I have to know my lord. Have to know, I have to know my lord. Have 
I think this is where it modulates up a step. Yep. Or that might be later on. No, oh, no, there it is. Got chills from that scream. That's great. Show me just a of your Show me there's a reason for your wanting me to die. You're far too keen on where and how and not so hot on Bass is still still giving you a little <laughs> the, the bass that won't quit. <laughs> now I'm sad and tired. After all I've tried for three years. Seems like ninety. Why then am I? Scared to finish what I started, what you started, I didn't start it. God, thy will is. I think we've seen this kind of build and build up to a crescendo and then calm down in so many songs that we've talked about on the show before. This is another prime example of having it done really, really well. Yeah. Definitely. right into the next song but yeah it's a powerful song yeah do you guys like that one (laughs) (laughs) two two and a half i could take it or leave it i mean (laughs) this is this is a i mean this is kind of an obvious one for me (laughs) i mean does anybody want to go first or okay five next song Uh, no explanation needed. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. I mean, if like I, as a fan of Ian Gillen, 
uh, this is, you know, it's the highlight of the album. There's not really a question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Very true. I agree. Five for that same reason. I mean, great Ian Gillen performance and good acting too. Yeah. Mm, oh yeah. Yep. And I mean, the, the, at the the time that I was getting into this, like one of the things that I thought was cool was, is that the lyrics, the whole opera rock opera did what it was, I think setting out to do was just kind of making the story be accessible. Mm-hmm. And so when I yeah. heard, like when I heard this, I was just like, it made the story of Jesus's life interesting. And this, this song like illustrated it, I think more than anything was, is that he was, you know, just this, this guy who, had this bigger purpose and he was like scared about it and questioning it. And, um, yeah. And negotiating with God. It's yeah. Pretty... And just like, you know, going back and forth, he's like, Oh, it's what I started it. No, wait a minute. You started it. You know, he's like, I don't want to do this. And, but I'm going to do it. And he's just, he's conflicted. And, you know, it's not something you really think about when you're a little kid and you, you go to church if you were, you know, raised Catholic, like I was, and you just hear the story and you think like, you know, God's infallible and, you know, all knowing or, you know, Jesus, whatever. And then you just like, and you hear this side of the story and it makes all these people just kind of like, you know, really kind of flawed. Like everybody, even like, uh, even like pilot, we find out later, like everybody's just conflicted, you know, except the priests, yeah. you know, they seem to not have a problem. Yeah, with they, <laughs> they, know, <laughs> they know exactly where they stand. <laughs> They're just like, nah, it's fine. Yeah. Let's get rid of this guy. He's bad news. <laughs> Uh, right. uh, Jesus gets back a bunch of uh, sympathy that he lost in the first half. Yes, by being whiny, like he earns it back in one song. Yeah, and you yeah. definitely see him having, yeah, having the the conflict and mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's obvious, but oh, I'm I'm also giving this one a five. Um, just lyrically brilliant. Obviously, one of Ian Gillen's top performances ever in a career of amazing performances. Um, just, just exceptional on every level. And it's great that it's just a solo. It's very moving. It, like I said, you kind of get, you get chills when you have that, when you hear that scream and like, even now having heard this, I don't even know how many times, uh, always, it always gets me when he's really, it's almost like, like he's having that negotiation with himself or with God or with both. It's just very, um, it's always been very, uh, very moving song for me as someone who's not really religious at all. (laughs) It's, uh, still a very, um, very powerful song. It's a great, it's a great story. It it doesn't matter if you, whether you're, um, whether you're into this from the religious aspect, whether you're uh, an atheist, it doesn't, you can, you can get behind the characters either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as somebody who, um, to paraphrase, kind of, I don't belong to an organized religion. I'm a Unitarian. Um, <laughs> it, you come in thinking, well, you know, I want to hear a story about people. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hear a story about unemotional, supernatural events. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, and I mean, that's probably an important thing to, to say, too, is like when when I discovered this, like I was, like I said, I was raised Catholic, but you know, after, like I think many other 
kids my age, like after we got like confirmation, we were 18. I'm like, I'm out of here. I don't know, you're, a, you're an adult in the eyes of the church. Good. I'm never coming back. You know, mass is boring, <laughs> which is like terrible. You know, Sorry, Padre. <laughs> Peace. But um, yeah, so I mean, I wasn't listening to this being all like, you know, I want to qualify that, like being super religious and like re- really being into it. I was just like at that phase where I'm just like, bye church, you're boring. You know, it's like <laughs> one more, th- one less thing I have to do on Sunday. You know, it's like, so, but I have no idea like why this appealed to me at all. Like, you know, be like, hey, you know, there's this rock opera about Jesus. You know, I, by all accounts, I should have been like, next, you know, like, <laughs> Okay, I don't care if it's got guitars in it. Next, it's about religion. Well, I mean, I've I listened to Godspell once and I bounced off of it. Yeah, get into it. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, that's yeah, something something about this whole thing just draws you in. Yeah, it's it's yeah, like like Paul said, this is the character, the story of the characters and the people. It's it's uh, very compelling, no matter where you are on the the spectrum of faith. What's that? I don't sing this in the shower because I have some respect. For Ian Gillen. I do it fully clothed, by the way. I'm, I'm yeah. always fully clothed when I'm singing these songs in the show. That is more respectful. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I get dressed up real nice. <laughs> like I'm going yeah. to church. <laughs> um, all right. Next song we have is The Arrest. They've, as we know, Judas has already sold Jesus out. They know where he's where he is, and they're coming to take him away. So here we go. The arrest. There he is, they're all asleep, the fools Judas, must you betray me with a kiss? What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening, what's the buzz? Tell me The lazy, hungover, what's the buzz reprise <laughs> They're all waking up Tell me what's happening, what's the buzz. Tell the band is just music in this part. The band is just on fire right here. Oh yeah. Are you obsessed with fighting? Stick to fishing from now on. Tell me Christ how you feel. They're just bringing back all the motifs in this. Pretty much in the whole second half of this album, they just start bringing back all of these themes. What would you say were your big mistakes? In the movie, this is like a press scrum. I wonder if that was Tony Ashton. <laughs> yeah. Keep listening for him now. Yeah, find the Ashton. 
So who's singing now? Who are these guys? Um, the, um, the people. Uh, yeah. Like whoever the crowd was that was after them. Right. So do you think they're the same guys who are singing Hosanna, or are they guys who are like, oh, I can't stand this with the. I've wondered that. Does, is it like guys. the is it the crowd the same crowd turning on him? Like I, I've I've always wondered that. Is it a different like political party? There you go, weaving in so many different themes from the first half there into the, the arrest. I feel like the, the crowd was, I feel like it was a different crowd. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he had a crowd that was for him, and this is like the, the crowd on the, the other side. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And that's kind of the only crowd we'll see in the rest of this, because everyone is just like, oh, well, no, we never really like that guy. Yeah, no, don't, yeah, don't, exactly. don't come for us. We're, we, we've always loved Caiaphas and all you guys. Yeah, you guys it's like great. all of a sudden Jesus gets arrested and they're like... <laughs> Hosanna <laughs> Jesus, who? Jesus who? Yeah. You know, Hosanna what? <laughs> we have drone footage of you in the crowd. <laughs> so what do you think of the arrest? Hmm. The arrest. Um, I'll, I'll weigh in on the arrest. I think the arrest gets like a gets like a four. Um, it's it's driving the story forward. It's weaving in all those other you know uh, uh, pieces of music, uh, like themes that we were talking about. Um, and I mean, like we were talking about that band was on fire with their kind of mm. like I, I don't even know what <laughs> what style of music it was, but it was just awesome. There's so many little things that uh, that on the guitar and the 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 drum they the drum does that little stop thing where it just it hits the bass yeah. drum and the ride symbol the ting 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 yeah. like on the on the off there's so many it's, cool little little things going on there it's it's not just playing the straight music it's yeah kind of funk 4090 mm yeah i can hear that but yeah right. Paul what do you think i'm going to go with 5 just cuz i love the funk so much Yeah. Um I love that like, you know, the the crowd parts like probably a 3. Yeah. But the um yeah. the beginning uh, starting off with Judas with like there he is in his like um John Snow impression. <laughs> um <laughs> trying to be sneaky. The, yeah. And then like apparently kisses Jesus but really really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying Ah, throw asleep the fools. Quick peck. Judas, <laughs> how dare you give me a kiss? It was like an eighth of a millisecond long. See, that's I'm um, see, that's the thing that like honestly, like I kind of like about the movie a little bit more is is that they kind of space out the music to yeah. let you picture the action whereas in this things happen a little too fast. And um 
I, I think that's one of the, you know, I mean, maybe the next, you know, we do the movie, we can compare and contrast because we'll have already heard this, but that's, right. that's just one of the things I think the, the movie does have over this. Yeah. For this one, they should have just put an eight dead seconds. Followed yeah. by like a cartoon sound effect of a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a big smooch. That makes me think of is the Simpsons where Homer walks over to, uh, who was it, to Mayor Quimby to give him a message from Fat Tony. He goes, here, Fat Tony, why don't we give you this? And he goes, you idiot, that's the kiss of death. <laughs> And it's just like the kiss of death is not. <laughs> it's like it's, it's so ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that would be like this. It's, it's like, like Judas, you betrayed me with a kiss. <laughs> that's, that's Love you, baby. The kiss of death is from right. All those mafia guys, they're they're Catholic. Yeah, it's the original yeah, kiss they, of death. They listen yeah. to this musical. But I I Probably. I I'm so glad Paul mentioned that because that's always. Um, stuck out to me too and I think probably because of the movie because in the movie they, you know, they, there they are, they're all sleep the fools and then there's the actual, they go up to them and Ju- Judas slowly walks up and he kisses him and then he delivers that line but on the album it is comically quick how, how it yeah. happens um, yeah, but I mean you know you have the visuals there too to support the silence and everything and maybe you know they had a running time to you know, go with, or who knows on the album, I mean. But then the slow groove of the waking up, what's the buzz? As you know, what's the buzz is the best song in the musical. <laughs> as we know, um, as, as is common knowledge. Right. So the rest of the song gets a three, but this part gets an eight. So on average, it's a five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this one a four as well. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I love the, what's the buzz parts, you know, the, there's a, there's a lot of parts where I don't want to – we'll get into this much later, but um, I don't want to fault it for uh, – they have to tell the story, right? And they have to tell it appropriately. And, you know, the the crowd part is good, but, yeah, it takes it, it takes a little away from that what's the buzz part. But at the same time, again, this is not a, an album. They're trying to tell a story, story as well, so they have to have some parts in there that might not be, you know, 100%. But. Which um, takes us to our next track, which is Peter's Denial. So the Made by the Fire and Peter and a soldier and an old man are all around, right? And is it the soldier? The the soldier that sees Peter and was like, hey, you look familiar. I think I saw you with that Jesus guy. And as uh, Jesus predicted earlier, Peter is like, no, man, that wasn't me. That was probably some guy that looked like me. And um, Mary Magdalene is it's its kind of a weird scene because it's just like, why are all these people kind of in this little I know it's from the Bible, but <laughs> it's, it's just a, funny the way it's portrayed in here because he's got these like this little group of people around a fire and the soldiers asking questions and Mary Magdalene's there. And just it's yeah. it's an odd um, thing, but it's I think it must yeah. be. A, I never thought of that. Why are they around a fire? I don't know. It's like, well, maybe it's just like fires in the street. Is it like post-apocalyptic? Like, it's well, yeah, it could be like, you know, like, uh, like hobos warming themselves type <laughs> with the gloves, it, with, the, the, with the fingers cut off, <laughs> fingerless gloves. And they just like he, eating hey, a can of beans. <laughs> and he's just like, no, no, that was some other like long haired guy with a beard and a dirty robe. It wasn't me. <laughs> that was some other hobo. Like episode of a sitcom where they put together two characters who don't talk to each other very much. Like, 
Yeah. And they like get locked in the school together or something. <laughs> a very it's special episode. Yeah. The odd couple. Peter and Mary all right so here we go this is a quick one um peter's denial i think i've seen you somewhere the net brocks of victor brocks or caiaphas's wife in real life That guy. I love him. And Peter playing it cool. I don't know him! <laughs> yeah, if you want to seem not guilty, just scream, I don't know him, <laughs> to a group of strangers. <laughs> I had to do it, don't you see? It's what he told us you. There you go. Nice little quick piece of exposition there. Oh. And that's Peter's denial. He's totally cool as a cucumber denial. Hey, <laughs> I man. don't know him. <laughs> Get off my back, will you? <laughs> I said I didn't know him. What is this? 20 questions. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Poor Peter. Oh, he was so stressed. Oh. What do you guys think of Peter's denial? I think I think Peter was a wimp. Um, <laughs> no, the poor guy. You can't blame him. Um, you got to look out for number one, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be sure not to step in number two. Hey! <laughs> oh, um, Why is this happening? <laughs> a little, little Rodney Dangerfield never hurt. <laughs> Slipping it in there and Jesus Christ Superstar. So I give up. I give Peter's denial. Um, I give it a four. It's short, but I, I like it. And there were parts where I, I, I thought that who was Peter in this again? Uh, the singer. Yeah. Hmm. It's a good question. Let me look it up. Because there were actually parts where uh, Paul Davis. Paul Other, Davis. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. There mm-hmm. were parts in this song where I he actually sounded a lot like Ian Gillen mm. to me. Yep. Um, and I always was just like wow, his voice is like really like similar. Like it almost was like, is that Jesus singing? And I knew it wasn't, but it's like, I always thought it was interesting how they had that kind of same tone. Like maybe that, you know, mid range that he was singing. I think it's really the only part in the whole, the whole show where you have Peter singing solo, right? I think so. This is Peter's big moment. Other than in the movie, he's got his, he basically has his own duet with Mary, but uh, we'll get into that today, but. I'm going to give this one a three because if it fell out of a, the rock opera and I listened to it, I wouldn't notice. Yeah. Yep. I, um, 
I will also give this one a three. Uh, it, you know, it's fine. It tells a. It's interesting in that it just it's just a point for for Mary and Peter to be like, oh my god, I did the thing exactly what he said I was going to do, and it's just like, well, yeah. But, I mean, I guess they kind of had to. They already said in the previous song that he was going to do it. It would be you don't introduce a denial in the first act if it doesn't go right. off in the third act, right? So. <laughs> The denial, I, the confirmation. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they had to do it, but uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's there. It tells the story. It's it's to me, it's nothing special. Mm. Which leads us to our next one. So, <clears throat> this is Pilate and Christ. So, uh, they they drag Jesus before Pilate, and this is the the part where they're asking. Basically, uh, the mob is basically asking Pilate to punish Christ, right, Paul? Uh, is that, I can't remember. I thought this was the one where they were just like, who's this guy? Someone well, Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Um, well, it's not the, Pilate, yeah, it's not the part where, it's not the second time. This is the first time they bring him before Pilate. Right. But. Um, so I actually did some research. Oh. Before uh, this, uh, before this one. Excellent. So I wasn't just like saying stuff that might or might not be true. But uh, I will probably still say stuff that's wrong because I really don't know much about this. Like anybody who's a historian or a scholar or even religious, uh, a Christian uh, probably knows more about this than I do. I think but, you, you probably know more than most people. I mean, you're... Well, thank you. Really <laughs> about about a lot of subjects, but particularly this subject. You're the so, son of a preacher um, man, so you you you, you know what you you've you've been exposed to this. Of course, as so, you gave away earlier, a Unitarian preacher man, so it's pretty uh loose. It's not the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh I am sort of really really interested in what other sources say besides the Bible about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And other sources about Pilate. Uh don't present him as like this. He's like a little bit wishy-washy. He wants to check in on what the crowd thinks. Mm-hmm. And the real pilot, I guess was like a hard ass who was um, sort of keeping Jerusalem in line with military force. Mm-hmm. And he would do stuff like uh, there was one time where uh, people disagreed with him because he like took money from the temple to build an aqueduct. And there were uh, like peaceful demonstrations or I think they were peaceful. I don't know. Um, and so he had plainclothes cops, like Roman uh, legionnaires, infiltrate the crowd and then just take out sticks and start beating people up. Hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, he did stuff like that. Uh, and eventually he was, um, he was recalled back to Rome because he was too rough on like a Samaritan rebellion or something like that. So he was like, uh, so Rome was like, no, this guy is this, this guy yeah. that he's a bad, he's setting a bad, he's casting the Roman empire in a bad light. Right. So making us know, look like a, a bunch of, a bunch of tyrants or like, something. We're, not, we're just, we're just trying to make a better life for everybody. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, my take on this is, I mean, it's a much more interesting story if, um, you know, the way it is here and in in the Bible. But uh, there is a kind of a theory floating around about why it is this way in the Bible, which is uh, around the time that I think Mark was writing his gospel, Mm -hmm. the 
the Christians were basically saying, we want to start proselytizing to, uh, to Romans and Roman citizens and mm. try to, to convert people, you know, in the rest of the world, not just in, in Jerusalem. And we're kind of, um, and so they were like, so what if we kind of, you know, you can tell a story in many ways and, uh, just with your emphasis, you can say, in this one, the Romans are all right. It's really the Jews that are bad in this one. Mm. Uh, so when you're hearing also uh, Pharisees and how they come off like jerks, um, you know, that's like, there might be some strategy in there. Like we're trying to appeal to a different group with this. Uh, and it's kind of sad because um, that's, I mean, a lot of sort of uh, anti-Semitic violence has come from stuff in the Bible, which is, you know, like, hey, the Jews are like, yeah, we did bad stuff to Christ. So, um, yeah, not to get, I don't know, if it's even political for something that was written in 200 AD. But, um, you know, you can tell a story in in different ways uh, to make different people good guys that's happening here hmm, that's really interesting um makes perfect sense and if it was a long if they were do, you know playing you know four-dimensional chess or looking a long game it worked out really well for christianity yeah yeah hmm, very interesting so um i guess here we have it then we've got uh pilot and christ let's see how it goes between these two crazy cats <laughs> And is this, I always get mixed up. Is this, a, is this like a precursor to what we're going to hear later? I guess like, it is. Kind of like a mini overture? It's like a mini overture for what's going to happen later. Who is this broken man? Barry Denon, of course, hamming it up perfectly. One of the best unsung hero. One of the best deliveries in the whole thing. He had done. (laughs) Who's he? What's his body of work? (laughs) I don't know if we have Englishman. I think we've covered him. I just don't remember which guy he is. Like crazy Fender Rhodes in the back. Yeah. It seems like the bass uh, player leaned over to him and was like, "You don't have to just play what's written down." <laughs> I've I've figured something out. You can play whatever you want. <laughs> Andrew's not saying anything. Since you come from Galilee, then you 
need not come to me. Your Herod's race. <laughs> Your Herod's case. That little ad-libbed laugh is perfect. So in this, he's being portrayed as just saying like, ha, not my problem. This is great. Yeah. He's like, yeah, this pilot is clearly like, I don't want any of this responsibility. And in fact, I'm probably in like a no-win situation. abrupt ending there that there's pilot in christ or the hosanna reprise which we get at the very end there um that's it what do you guys think of of this track i don't really have some really strong feelings about it except the guy who says someone christ king of jews he's the best (laughs) yeah that's maybe one of the best lines in the whole thing so, I mean, that brings it up. I'm going to say a four, but, you know, it's largely because of that. On the strength of the guy that says, okay. John? <laughs> uh, um, I give it a four as well on the strength of Barry Denon. Yeah, Barry Denon also does. Yeah, he's, he's great. I mean, he's really, he's truly the only one that delivers like a Broadway-type performance on this whole album. Everybody else, I feel, approaches it from a singer point of view. And he's just like, I'm just going to ham it up Broadway style. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I mean, it's like, it's, it's, he's one of my favorite like performances. I mean, I know we love everybody else, but I mean, he's, he's just one of my favorite performers on this. So. All right. And his little laugh. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> <parents> case. <laughs> love it. I think I'll go with a four too. I think you guys have kind of talked me up a little bit. I would have maybe gone with like a 3.5, but mm. yeah, I think it, it, it's great. It moves. It's just moving this. We're in this kind of period now where we're just kind of moving the story along with each song towards the inevitable conclusion. And that's, uh, that's it. Which brings us to, uh, he says you're Herod's race. So he's sending him to King Herod, um, and King Herod, uh, the King of Galilee, right? So, yeah. So they're sending them to to Herod for Herod to kind of rule on him. And then we get the kind of we get to meet this zany character of King Herod. And obviously it's one of those things that here originally it's one way. And then in the movie, they kind of take it to the next level. And over time, it's just become this. It's it's every time it just gets amplified. It's if, if you're into Hamilton, it's very much like the king in Hamilton. They just keep taking it up a notch and up a notch until it's this ridiculous scene. Uh, but it kind of has to be, and it's kind of it's kind of a little funny comical uh, break during it, of which fits out well because the second half of Jesus Christ Superstar isn't super fun or rosy. It's <laughs> pretty dark subject matter, and they break it up with a couple of songs. This and Superstar kind of being the two songs that break up the. Uh, the dark nature of the second second half of this. So, um, anything else I'm missing about King Herod, Paul? Uh, I don't got too much on him. I did a little research on him too, and I couldn't really figure out what his deal was. Um, he's only in one of the four uh, main gospels, Luke, and uh, the other ones don't mention him. And historians, uh, some historians are like, "There's no real evidence that this happened apart from that it's in Luke." Um, so in Luke, they talk about how that he was brought before Herod. Right. In, in, in Luke, it's like, uh, Pilate sent him to Herod and Herod was like, 
you know, basically says what, what he says. Get out of my life. He says, get out of my life. He says, get out of my life. It's in Mark 382. (laughs) Jesus, get out of my life. And then he sends him back to Pilate. And the Bible also says that after this, before this, Pilate and Herod were always fighting with each other. But after this, they had something in common. They both hated Jesus. And they became friends. Aww. So that's nice. It's a, it's a heartwarming story of friendship. <laughs> Two people that you never think would really work together as buddies. Yeah, just like the, yes, the end of Casablanca. Another, uh, <laughs> another odd couple moment here. Yeah. All right, then. So uh, here it is. King Herod's song. Jesus, I am overjoyed to meet you face to face. You've been getting Quite a name. And here we go with Mike Dabo, the Manfred man. Man. Raising from the dead. And now I understand your God. At least that's what you've said. So you are the Christ. You're the great Jesus Christ. Prove to me that you're divine Change my water into wine That's all you need to And I'll know it's all true Come on, King of the Jews Jesus, you just won't believe The hit you've made round here So was Herod a Jew? You are all we talk about The wonder of He was, and he was, he was the king Of, like, Jerusalem Oh, okay Still so, you know, he basically has power as long as the Romans say he has power. Right. So he definitely has to keep on the good side. But, um, you know, he gets in trouble. He's involved in a couple of rebellions. He's, you know, he's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. Come on, king of the Jews. It's a great little piece of songwriting here, though. That tuba is really carrying the song. I guess it's a tuba, right? I only ask things I'd ask oh, yeah. superstar. Yeah, no, it's just never a sentence that I ever thought I'd hear. Boy, that tuba is really carrying the song. <laughs> Yet, whenever you hear tuba in a rock song, it's never a bad idea. Huh? Go Down Gambling by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. So if you are the Christ, yes, the great Jesus Christ. Feed my household with this bread. You can do it on your head. Or has something gone wrong? Why do you take so long? Come on, King of the Jews. Hey, aren't you scared of me, Christ? Mr. Wonderful Christ. You're a joke, you're not the Lord. You're nothing but a fraud. Genre is this? He's got Get out, you king of the. I don't know what you call this. I don't know. This sounds like a, a stripper song almost. Get out, you king. Yeah, it sounds like the uh, like the the chorus line, the kick line. Yeah, like yeah, a, like yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, this is very like. I mean, this song has the most kind of like Broadway musical feel out of right. it's, it's the, the other songs. It sounds like it's something not... you'd hear being played in a saloon. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
if that makes any sense, but this yeah, because yeah, they're yeah, yeah, it totally sounds like um, I don't know. I have never actually heard Gypsy, but I kind of feel like if it was in Gypsy <laughs> or like some other musical like that. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of some confusion around the song because in the in the uh, for, this this so this was, song was written uh, as a song called "Try It and See" by Weber and Rice prior to Jesus Christ Superstar, and the, I I said in a previous episode it was supposed to be the Eurovision entry sense. in the UK uh, Eurovision contest. Um, it didn't make it, um, so it was it was never it was never used, but it was recorded um, by Rita Pavone. Uh, the song "Try It and See." As the song Try It and See. Try it and see, won't wow. you try it with me? <laughs> you could be so good for me. I could give you energy wow. for free. Won't you try it and see? I could be so good for you too. Wow. I like it's Maybe got a really good rock and groove right here. So crazy. You get the idea, but um, it's a, uh, you know, they didn't change it up too much. Obviously, they changed the lyrics. Um, wow. But yeah, um, I wish I'd said this earlier. I was going to say it. I would have seemed like a genius. I was like thinking uh, you could imagine this song having been written first because it sounds like it doesn't really integrate super well and it's so filled with jokes and stuff. Yeah. Sort of the same way like in Hamilton. The song that he, he did for President uh, Obama. It was sort of like a standalone piece. Oh, yeah, like the intro, right? The, the first, the, yeah. And yeah, the video of him the performing it at the White House and everyone's laughing because they don't realize, oh, he's serious about this Hamilton musical. <laughs> right, he's actually going to do that, so that's just a terrible idea. Like, this is, this is a horrible idea. Like, this will never go anywhere. Right. Objectively, it's a horrible idea. It is, totally. Um, so... So anyway, there is there is I guess it has to do with the fact that this was recorded previously. It has like a different production company name for this one song in the album. And I know for years I I always thought this was written by somebody else like the I don't know where I heard it, but somebody had told me, oh, they couldn't really figure out how to write the song. It wasn't in their wheelhouse. So they had to actually get somebody else to write it for them, which is why it sounds so different. But that's totally false. It's just used a different publishing company for for whatever reason. So that's uh, the song Try It and See. That's so interesting. But speaking of Try It and See, uh, what do we think of King Herod's song? That's a four and Rita Pavone gets a five. (laughs) I don't don't know how to... um, how to account for that on the spreadsheet, but well, I'll, I'll just put in the four for you. All right, John. So I'm going to, I'm going to say three for this one. Um, I, I listen to it and I don't really like it now. Um, especially compared to like what we know the song is going to be like, it's just like the, the vocals just sound really like, Sounds like he's sleepwalking through it. 
Like it's just really low energy. Like yeah. it just kind of, I don't know. I feel like this is one of those songs where even when he says you can you do know, it on your head. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> he's rolling his eyes. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. You know, um, it didn't do it for me because I just feel like it's not. I think one of the. I mean, you know that I love this album, but I think one of the problems that a lot of it has is that they didn't really flesh out the songs enough because it's like, you know, by the time they got to the movie, there was a lot more theatrics and the vocals mm-hmm. and then, you know, on and on. And by the time we saw the 93 show, I remember they had King Herod be this, this guy, like this leather clad guy and assless chaps. Like <laughs> they just totally played up the, you know, that, that whole thing of him just being this really wild, like, you know, um, just crazy, like, woohoo, you know, type of guy. And I mean, him, he's just like, I don't know. He just, he sounds really low energy, the vocals on this. And the the music is just not really, I actually like the, the, the version that you, the, the, the Rita Pavone version. Yeah. The, yeah. I like that better. Yeah. The music you know? of that was pretty good. Yeah. It just, it had more energy to it. I mean, this just sounded kind of like, you know, you know. <laughs> that's what he does in the movie. He's like, <laughs> he's doing a little. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I will meet you guys in the middle with a 3.5. This is one of those songs I always feel like, I, I don't know if that's, that is what's um, affecting my opinion of it, but everyone seems to like always go batty about this song and this, you know, like, Oh, here it comes. The silly kind of dance song. And I like it fine. I think it's really well done. Well written, but it's just not always my favorite part it's of it. It's a novelty song. Yeah, totally. It's, it's something Which is I, why can, I rated it so high. Yeah, exactly. That's why Paul loves it. <laughs> it's like the closer something gets to weird Al, the more I like it. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, weird. And also, um, so I listened to uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which is also Andrew Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. earlier. We talked about that maybe last week or something. Um, and that's got some songs that are like this that are just like a, a pastiche of a certain style just to show that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, there's one that's like, like a French song with a lot of accordion. And for some reason, everybody has French accents in this song. It's. <laughs> And there's like yeah, an Elvis like, kind of stuff for it too, yeah, right? An Elvis yeah, song. yeah. They're, it's like cheesy and dumb. And this is kind of like in that same vein. Yeah. Like that same sensibility of like, uh, I would really like to write a song in this funny style. Well, it's like when Weird Al does one of his style parodies versus his right. actual song mm-hmm. parodies, it, it just to show you he can, I can write a song like the Talking Heads watch. Right. Um, but he did a pretty good job on that. Um, couple of times i thought i thought uh, uh dare to be stupid was really good oh it was incredible yeah, this, it was yeah. per- perfect yeah Make, made mark mother's bog want to cry um me too but <laughs> I mean, if you can come up with some way that weird al is in like was in like mark six or something <laughs> i wish <laughs> well I we, we managed to bring him up in at least 50 percent of the episodes that we do so yeah we've already brought him up like half a dozen times <laughs> some some listeners may may say we talk about him too much. No, that but I go to the devil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we've he's King Herod has sent him aside. You're not my problem. Um, but we're not going right before Pilot right away, are we? We're going to um, a song 
I don't want to give away any spoilers, but the song's called Judas's Death. <laughs> I wonder what it's about. <laughs> I guess we're about to find out. Um, so yeah, so uh, this cuts to Judas, who is even more angst-ridden than we last left him off, because he's seeing what's happened to, Ju- uh, to Jesus as he's been brought before Pilate, then brought before Herod, and now being dragged back to Pilate. And uh, he's he's before the... Uh, the priests again before Caiaphas and the priests and he's just talking about um, um, he's talking about how anguished he is and all that and the priests are like yeah we got what we want we don't we don't care does that cover it or am I leaving anything out yeah I think that's the story all right then here we go with Judas's death you have done will be the saving of Israel. You'll be remembered forever for this. And not only that, you've been paid for your efforts. Pretty good wages for one little kid. Christ, I know you can't heal me, but I only did what you wanted me to. Christ, I'd sell out the nation, for I have been saddled with the murder of you. I have been spattered with innocent blood. I shall be dragged through the slime and the mud. I have been spattered with innocent blood. I shall be dragged through the slime and the slime and the slime and the mud. I don't know how to love him. I don't know why he moves me. He's a man. I like that little guitar flub right there. <laughs> Bing, blop. He's not a kid. He's just the same as anyone I know. He scares me so. When he's cold and dead, will he let me be? Does he love me? Does he love me too? Does he care for me? <laughs> That's the first half of the song. Talking Jeez. talking about his anguish. That's like crazy. It's just this once beautiful guitar ballad and he's like screaming over he's it. Screaming. His voice is so raw too. It sounds like he was singing all day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's just... Ah! He's just... This poor guy, he's just losing his mind off in the distance, he sounds like. Bring back the, the opening riff here from Heaven on Their Minds. Oh my god, I am sick. I've been used. And you knew. Oh, all the time. God, I never, ever know. Why you chose. 
This is a pretty powerful moment in the movie too. You actually just see him off in the distance by that tr- like silhouetted by the tree and he just hangs himself. Getting so long, Judas. It's like it's nice that they recognize him. Not much consolation for Judas. No. Don't worry, you'll be remembered forever for this. Right. And you will go to hell. Thank you for your service. <laughs> if not for uh, for the Christ thing, for killing yourself, you keep a no win, no win situation. Right. Poor guy. Eef. But pretty, uh, pretty powerful song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After not hearing some of these for a while, it's just like they, they you know, they hit you like, oof. yeah, it's very emotional. I'm gonna give this one a five. All uh, right, I reserved five for it last time. I think I gave four point nine to Nivan uh, Elman. I don't know how to love him, just so I can see. Yes, he, you kind of teased that in the last episode. I, I was <laughs> thinking this was headed for a five, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's. It's um, it's got it's so powerful the way that he sings like the, I don't know how to love him, but it's because of the that it appeared previously that it's that it's so powerful. It's not just right. him, although the performance is great. It's not just that alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing the song in a new way, thinking about how um, both of these disciples, Mary and Judas, just put aside their whole lives to follow Jesus, you know, and they just are like are so drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Judas in particular, Jesus or God uses, and he's like, you know, I'm sick. I, I feel used or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rough. Yeah. And this whole, um, you know, I've been spattered with innocent blood and um, I, I love how they, they bring back, I don't know how to love him. They bring back the heaven on their minds theme. They bring back the damned for all time. They're weaving together all of these themes throughout the entire thing um, to paint, to paint this final chapter for Judas. Well, almost final chapter for Judas. And it's uh yeah, it's a really powerful song. What do you think? Should I go John or do you want to go? No, I was um, thinking about it. Um, but like what I wanted to rate it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna have to give it a five as well. Um for all those reasons. Like I can't I can't really add to it, you know. I mean it's just yeah, it's just a powerful song. I mean now when I when I heard the lyrics, you know, just listening to the lyrics and how he's like, you know, singing everything, it's just like you can tell how how just like, you know you know, in, in torture that he is. Yeah. So and like such really an emotional performance. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you know, and like contrast to like, uh, you know, Herod's song, which was like so boring. Right. Yeah. I was going to say contrast to one night in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's much later, but yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, he was really just like, oof, turned in one hell of a performance in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to have to turn on the shower and agree with you guys. I'm giving this one a you five. this in the shower? My goodness, <laughs> if I were your family, weird. I'd be worried for you. <laughs> My God, I Screaming. feel sick. You, I don't know. Well, here's the cav. Are you okay? Here's the caveat. The only part of this this one that I sing in the shower is that that first part. The my God, I saw oh. him. He looked three quarters dead. I sing that whole part. Ah, I don't think I sing any of the rest of this. Yeah, because <laughs> the second half of this song goes real dark. The first half is obviously not not bright and cheery either. But um, um, yeah, I don't sing any of that second half. But you hear me in the shower. <laughs> well, he's like scrubbing himself. Clean. Like, I'm like, and you knew all the oh. time. And my wife's like, are you like, okay in there? Yeah. And he's like, ah, I feel used. It's like, Nate, open the door. For open your the foul, door. bloody crime. <laughs> open this. Somebody call 911. Actually, that would be a good characteristic, I think. Thank you. Very endearing, I'm sure. Okay, so Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, well, Judas is out of the picture, at least for one song. And we cut back to Jesus, who's being brought back again before Pilate. Pilate's probably getting annoyed at this point. Um, So, uh, yeah, he's getting brought back before Pilate. Um, who is in the, in the crowd and, and Caiaphas are all there and, and demanding that Jesus be crucified. And anything that um, we need to add before we get into this one, Paul? Okay, so I checked uh, to find out what exactly is happening here. Why is there a big open air like trial where like the crowd gets a vote? Yeah. It seems weird. That's um, so probably a, a, like a... I don't know, a metaphor or a... Uh... Right, well, there's in the Bible story, I guess it's... Uh, one of them is like, oh yeah, there's this custom where on Passover, they choose one guy from death row and let him go. And so this is deciding, are we going to let this guy Jesus go or this other guy Barabbas, who's like just a straight up murderer? Mm. Uh, so that's the setup. And there doesn't... You know, it's hard to say. There's not a lot of records. There's no other historical record of this being a thing, but there's basically only like two or three different sources from this time period in Jerusalem. So, who knows? Hmm. Interesting. Well, here we go. This is uh, the trial before Pilate. And so the king is once again. Barry Denon just killing it. Oh, he's just so full of like spite. We need him crucified. It's all you have to do. We need him crucified. It's all you have to do. So that is true that uh, Romans would be the only ones who could do capital. Really? I was going to ask you that. The first idea why you deserve it. Listen, King of the Jews, where is your kingdom? Part is so good. Am I a Jew? I have got no kingdom in this world. I'm through, through, through. Jesus Christ. There may be a kingdom for me somewhere. 
say I am. I look for truth and find that I get damned. But what is truth? Is truth a changing law? We both have truths. <laughs> I was like the philosophical pilot. <laughs> what is truth? <laughs> and that's in the Bible. Oh, that's in the Bible. Is it? The what is she truth? says what is truth. It's really? And yet another return to the opening riff. Which I don't hate at all. I was like, this, the effect on his voice is so weird in this. Yeah, it's just like, like a, like it's a, uh, like a, like a broken transmission from a radio or something. Yeah. Like it's all like garbled. Oh, yeah, it's like, like, a, oh, like a bad walkie talkie connection or something. Yeah. For a while, I thought it was like my my tape. Yeah, there's something wrong with your cassette. It's it, it sounds so like chilling though when you hear that effect. Yeah, it's chilling, even though it sounds like it could be a Sesame Street song. Yeah, yeah, the most messed up <laughs> yeah, Sesame Street song ever. You see out the context. The thirty nine lashings. Grover getting <laughs> getting whipped. <laughs> By Oscar the Grouch. I mean, it'd probably be like some cubes instead of lashes, but yeah. But I just can't imagine the, the thing. Hear me out. How about we just do the 39 lashes and I count from 1 to 39 and it's this <laughs> epic build of music. It's going to sound great. How did so, they well, get sold on that? And like, go back. Can the, we start at 36? Base. Yeah. Where are you from, Jesus? Oh. Jesus See, this is one where he was just like 39. In the, in the movie, he was like, 39! Yeah, he, he's getting like, you can see him getting more worked up with everyone, and by the time he yeah. gets to 39, he's like, pilot's exhausted. <laughs> Never mind Jesus. But I mean, otherwise, his performance on this album is like flawless, I think. I kind of like the, the heartless way he delivers it here. Have nothing in your hands. Any power you have comes to you from far beyond. Everything is fixed and you can change it. You're a fool, Jesus Christ. How can I help you? I love it. The crowd is just like, you're going to lose your job. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about his job. You about to lose your job. They're just they're trying to pressure him into it. They're going to be demoted. And he's like, oh, crap, I need that paycheck. Oh, that's that sweet little Pontius Pilate. You're going to dox him. This is great.
abrupt ending there as it kind of bleeds off into the next track. But yeah, c- c- unbelievable delivery by Barry Denon there at the end. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think I'm kind of, you know, kind of changing my tune here. I, I think like Barry Denon is the breakout star of this album. <laughs> Even more so yeah, than Murray really Head, yeah. I'm just That's enjoying it. Five from John. I'm just enjoying his stuff so much. Oh, he's so great. And yeah, you get to see even more of him in the in the movie. And like we said, in the movie, he takes that to a little bit more of an extreme. But it's yeah. it's very different. It's a very different. It's a contrast in the movie. He, he gets more worked up as it goes on. And he's very kind of uh, stoic throughout the delivery of this. Yeah. I never realized that was him in this. I figured it was like some Roman soldier or something. But it totally makes sense. That it was him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what do you guys think of the trial before pilots? Um, five for me. Are we out of, are we out of fives? Like, can we do more fives? <laughs> you can do, you can do all fives if you want. You could no, do yeah. no fives. It's no, this is still, if there's still fives in the bag, I'll, I'll throw in another five. Yep. All right. Yeah. Definite, definite five just on the, you know, Barry Denon's performance alone. And the, just the returning of that, you know, that opening theme music during the 39 right. lashings. I mean, the 39 like, lashes is, is really good. Yeah. And I mean, the way that it builds up and the, you know, at one point, it's just like, I feel like they've just like turned the bass all the way up and it's just yep. like, it's yeah. just fuzzing, fuzzing the yeah. hell out. And the guy's just like beating on it with his hand, you know, like it's wild. I just yeah, love it. And there's a bunch of things like uh, on this, there's a bunch of bass parts on this album that I really like that I played through uh, when I, when I like am practicing as part of my, but I can't actually play this song. I don't even really know what, what he's doing there. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so I will also give this one a five with a caveat that I don't think I've ever sung this in the shower. So no shower sound effect, no shower sound effect. So it doesn't get that extra little boost, but I, I like in listening to it now and, and this is, this is the climax of the whole thing. Basically um, everything after this is there's only three more tracks, um, but it's the climax of the whole thing. But, but like you said, Barry Denon's performance and the back and forth with Jesus and the mob and the build and the frantic nature. I like how it builds and builds and builds. And then it gets to kind of, it's more of a kind of a calmness when he, when he, when the, the 39 lashes is almost like the release of some of that tension um, and then it builds back up again and, until Pilot just explodes at the end. But yeah, this isn't something I say. <laughs> I'm not in the shower going, one, <laughs> two. Or I could do it with the gargle like, one, two. Well, yeah, that's where you'd be You'd be singing it in the shower, just letting the water go in your mouth go, one, <laughs> two, three. That's pretty good. In the meantime, like Nate's wife, hello, what's going on in there? 38, 39. <laughs> She's just like um, I think she's. Um, I think she's used to it. I think she's used to it at this point. If she's if she's gonna listen to this episode, uh, if there's any episodes she would listen to. These are some of them. Um, <laughs> she'll probably be like, "Oh yeah, he definitely sings that one in the shower." Um, <laughs> Kids, get the car. We're taking Daddy to go. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> so the next track up is uh, Superstar, which was the first track that was recorded for this album, as we talked about before. Kind of the 
cons- uh, the 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 proof of concept here. This is Judas, Judas, <laughs> Judas, um, in present day, looking back on on, on Jesus and talking about what what could have come uh, or what 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 became of him and all that sort of stuff and telling him about all that. Does that cover it? Yeah. All right. So with that, this is the track superstar. Kind of this grand fanfare that we've acknowledged. Okay, he's going to be crucified. Listen to that bass. I know we've said it a million times, but come on. It's the Trinidad singers there. how the bass matches the melody there the bass that won't quit Naturally, in the movie, you'll, he he descends down in this like, like looks like what Ozzy was wearing in like the Volume Four cover. <laughs> he's got the white suit with the fringe it's hanging true, on. Yeah. It's Which, beautiful. You know, indicates that he's an angel. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like he's Ozzy, dead and he's an angel. <laughs> Which I mean, we just talked about that he went to hell, but I mean, you know, I don't think that's who you dress when you're in hell. No, it's yeah. no, if you so, then si- sign me up. It sounds great. Well, you figure he'd be descending wearing like that, you know, that red like leather suit that Eddie Murphy was wearing during that comedy special. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I bet Judas was in hell until this came out. And then they were like, yeah, maybe there's some good points in here. <laughs> yeah. People in hell were like, listen, we got to. Sorry, this been a, this been a clerical issue. Sorry about those last 2000 years. <laughs> Uh, you know, if we put him in. If we if we say he went to heaven, it'll play better in the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what they love. I mean, like the whole, almost the whole second half of this song is just 
ad libbing and riffing and yeah. It's like, um, sort of been hinted, but this is the song where it's really like Tim Rice talking about, like, how he really wants to know the truth and, like, about Christianity. Yeah. It's not really Judas. And it's great because I think so much... if you ha- if you were really close minded about it, there's so much that you could look to this as being sacrilegious. But there's a lot of well, reverence <laughs> paid to to um, paid to the Bible and to the story. It's 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 not. Um, yeah, it's pretty respectful. It's not respectable to the apostles. Not like fools, <laughs> but. Um. All right, so that's superstar. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff in the in uh both Tim Rice's and Andrew Lloyd Webber's books about it. Um, uh, Lloyd Webber in his biography says uh, Alan and Bruce took things into their own hands and played syncopations that defied gravity. Um, he says afterwards I wrote them all uh, all out. But although I've got some rock sections to replicate what they did, it never sounded quite the same. So uh, he, he never he's tried to write this out and tried to get other bands to kind of recreate the magic that happened here and wasn't able to do it. Um, so it was it was improv and then he tried to. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was largely improvised in, in like the, the what, what the band's doing, just kind of jamming along. Obviously, they're following what he wrote, but he's never been quite able to capture that same magic. Um uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber says they tried a bunch of times. Like I talked about in one of the earlier episodes, they were trying to sync up the, the orchestra with the band after the fact, which is really hard to do because uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber didn't want to use a click track. He wanted to keep that, that vibe of the live band. Um, and Webber said they finally did a perfect take uh, with the, with the orchestra when Alan O'Duffy said he hadn't loaded the tape into the machine and Andrew Lloyd Webber like <laughs> lost his mind. So they did a second take of the whole thing. He was thinking you can never do it perfectly. This again, they did a second take and it was perfect again. And he said, great. But then it turned out he had had the tape in the machine. So they had accidentally recorded it twice. So I don't know if that's what you're hearing here is like the orchestra actually playing twice, which it does sound very, very big, but a whole orchestra would sound big. So, um, but they were really happy with the outcome of this and the record company was really happy. And that's this, the strength of this song alone was what gave them the ability to record the entire album. So, so there you go. So this is more like the Obama song. This is the, yeah, this is the, their version of the, uh, the Obama, uh, white house Hamilton song. If anyone doesn't know Hamilton, apologize for all these Hamilton references. John, do you know, do you, have you heard Hamilton? No. And I accept your apology. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what i have no idea all right i'm glad you accept our apology um okay so yeah hamilton's probably the only musical like besides like this and les miserables that i actually know um okay superstar how would you guys rate it i rate it a four um yeah i think it's great um but you know for for great. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think that there were other, I, I don't know, the, the emotional angsty stuff really hits me. Although like, I really think like the, the orchestra sounds really big, um, you know, really good. It's like, it's got a good groove to it. It's like, I kind of wish this was the way that the album ended, Yeah. you know, instead it's mm-hmm. going to be all depressing with the crucifixion. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, it is a pretty good, like, um, you know, almost ending. You yeah, know, that's a good point. I agree with you. Uh, kind of talking me down. I was going to go with another five, John, but I think you're right. All right. But so am I putting you down for a four or a five or 4.5? No, I'm going to split the difference. 4.5? 4.5, please. All right. Yeah, I would, oof, I'm kind of on the fence with this one as well. Um, this is not one that I sing in the shower. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, to me, it's like King Herod's song where it sounds like it was a little bit removed from the entire musical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great song, great playing, amazing bass work. Um, yeah, I'll, ah, I'll go with a, a four as well. It's a great song. It's it's really well done. The, the singers and the, the orchestra and everything, it's, it's great. But I mean, yeah. how many fives can I give out here? Well, I mean, also, I mean, you know, there's this kind of pressure to give like the title track to the whole musical, like the, you know, the best rating. We don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, that, I you're right, John. It, it, it's definitely um, that I, th- I feel like this and uh, I don't know how to love him. And there's a few songs on here that are 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 usually fan favorites. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I think. I think we all agree Gethsemane is kind of the that's the the defining moment of the whole musical to me anyway. Right. But. but I mean, you know, those three you could you could put on as a standalone track. Gethsemane mm-hmm. yes. or I don't know how to love him or this one. You can't like, you know, like, oh, I, I want to skip right to Peter's denial or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm going to listen to the arrest and just kind of. <laughs> hey, I would listen to the arrest. Yeah, the arrest is great. but. <laughs> But it's like, you know, that's these that's more like a song like, you know, you could play this and be, oh, that's on a playlist. Right. You know, I could hear that on the radio or something like that. So I, I get the love for those songs. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, next up, we have a song called Crucifixion. I wonder what's going to happen in this song. Um, I don't know that we need much uh, explanation from the <laughs> historical sense or biblical sense. Most people are probably pretty familiar with this historical happening. Uh, But yeah, this is the crucifixion. So here we go. Kind of haunting that you actually hear them banging the nails in. That's these weird, like, demonic laughing voices with, with delay on them. Very haunting. You get that like Moog synthesizer kicking in from out of nowhere. How did this song not get a lot of radio play? <laughs> <laughs> it's a toe tapper. So that's I'm like nailing him to the cross. 
And then it kind of cuts to this like weird little freeform jazz piece of him probably coming to being on the cross. When you actually think of the actual subject matter, it's pretty disturbing. I'm just picturing, like, you know, the peanuts dancing over on the side. <laughs> Charlie Brown. <laughs> a very morbid peanuts. Although the peanuts are pretty depressing, so. Yeah. It could fit in. You're like a really demented Mr. Rogers playing the piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, this- Mr. Rogers with, like, Alice Cooper makeup on. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely appropriate for the subject matter. They definitely mm-hmm. took this in uh, the right direction. I, like, I find it grueling. Yeah, it is. It like, is. They grueling. could have gone like you know, Black Sabbath original you know album heavy on this. They could have done that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I agree with this because this whole kind of freeform jazz thing is kind of like, you know, it's probably like, you know, Jesus being woozy from losing blood and, right. you know, like passing from like life onto death. It's just hearing Ian Gillen scream for his mother and saying he's thirsty and yeah. it's just very upsetting. <laughs> it is. existential horror like jazz <laughs> this kind of jazz for sure it is finished father into your hands Commend my spirit. Oof. It's a real that was, bummer. Uh, it was a rough listen. <laughs> it's yeah. very hard Oof. to listen to. Um, was he on the cross for three days? I wish I'd done more research. Oh, whatever it is. I mean, obviously, it's it's um, something we all grew up with. Um very disturbing subject matter and just, you know, obviously thinking of going through something like that and how horrible it must be is very, very just disturbing and jarring and just, yeah. And when you think about it more as like you say, not just like a, a story that you're used to, but you actually think of the people and the emotions it is not, it's not pleasant. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this like like John said, it's a tough listen. It's um, 
I wonder, I, I can't help but wonder what if they had taken a different direction with this, um, a less disturbing direction. I, but I, at the same time, is this the perfect way to uh, describe musically what happened? Well, it might be. They, they clearly had two choices. I think with John, you said before, they could have put this and then superstar or superstar and then this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They obviously they must have thought about doing it the other way. They chose this. The other way sure certainly would have let us off the hook more. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, it, what was the what's the right decision? I mean, it certainly would have been a lot more uplifting if they right. ended with yeah. superstar. But I mean, I guess ultimately, well, I mean, we still have one more, technically one more. Technically one more track, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this would, this is probably the way to go. I mean, if it's been trying to be the subversive, you know, kind of edgy musical, then yeah, you know, this, this would be the way to go. Um, You know, kind of um, not having that Hollywood ending. (laughs) No. They also weren't like, let's do one about the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. They were just like, it ends here. It's agnostic. I mean, the thing is agnostic. It's like, you don't know whether this is coming down as a Christian thing or whether it's like, this is a guy who thought he was, uh, you know, chosen by God. It doesn't um, say what it believes and, well, I mean, it's obviously asking what's, it doesn't have an opinion. Yeah. So they can't really do the resurrection. Mm. Right. Yeah. So what do you, how would you guys rate the song? It's a tough one. Yeah, it is. It is tough. Who wants to go? You want me to go first? Yeah. Thinking. It's a tough one for me because, like I said, on the one hand, does it accurately portray the anguish that was uh, that Jesus was going through and all of that? Probably. Do I ever want to listen to this? Do I ever want to listen to the song? No, it's always very disturbing to me, very and. Again, that's probably what they were shooting for, and I think they probably hit the mark. But yeah, I just this is something that always bothered me, and it should bother me. That's the whole point. Um, uh, that being said, I think I have to give it a two, just because Ouch. I it, it again. <laughs> I don't know. Sh- should I give it a five because it it describes this so well? I can't help but wonder what would have happened. I think Paul's. Uh, switching this and the superstar is a great idea. Maybe that would have made it a little bit better in the, in the timeline. And I also wonder what if they actually tried to do an actual song for this, but maybe that would be weird. So I don't know what the right answer is. All I know is this song has always bothered me. Yeah. I would also give it a two for the same reasons. Um, uh, Putting aside its quality as art, um, I don't really want to dwell in like watching someone die. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's not something I would want to experience more than once, even though I've probably heard it like 10 times. So yeah. like I couldn't reach the skip button because I was like playing a video game. <laughs> <laughs> something important was going on. I, and my my mom, you know, my, both of my parents grew up Catholic. I was baptized Catholic and then got raised in the same pagan religion that Paul did. Um, but uh, yeah, my my mom always used to say that her main problem with with Catholicism was it focused too much on the death of Christ and not enough on the life. And that was something that uh, in this, uh, not that this this entire album does that, but there's something about it, about it. That's I think it needs to be faced. It needs to be looked at. It needs to be recognized, but um, it's, it is very morbid and, and hard to take listening to that. And I think mm-hmm. I heard her talking about that the most when like Mel Gibson released that movie and it was really, really graphic. And she was not a huge fan of, of that sort of thing. And, you know, it's probably very accurate about what happened, but um there's something celebratory sometimes about that uh, that rubbed her the wrong way and uh, that I've kind of always uh, lived with. So, Yeah. Um, and also there is the sort of creepiness of the specifics of the politics of the time um, being used in future years. Um, like, you know, all of those bad Jews that is that I find unpleasant. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and obviously you can make a case for that going on with Mel Gibson. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Strong case could be made. John. So, um, so I'm, I'm going probably slightly higher and giving it a three. Um, just based on the fact that I thought that the the music was really haunting and appropriate mm-hmm. and a lot different from everything else that we heard. Um, but it's, you know, like you guys, I would want to, I wouldn't want to listen to this. This would, this wouldn't be like, you know, this wouldn't be in my feel good playlist. <laughs> it's not like coming out of your car as you drive, drive down the, yeah, yeah just, just put top the- down sunglasses on, just like cruising by like, what's up? <laughs> it's like who's this fucking wacko? It would be great to sneak this on a party playlist, though. See what happens. Well, I mean, you know, maybe like Halloween playlist. Yeah, maybe Halloween. Yeah, playlist. it would be perfect for that. But you know, you put it on like your summer playlist. You'd be like, oh, like Poison, Van Halen, <laughs> The Crucifixion. Yeah. No, no. Um, but oh, yeah, I. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I can I can appreciate I can appreciate the um the the musicality of it, but that's that's it. Um just the fact that it's disturbing is makes me not want to listen to it, but it that being said it does its job, so Oh yeah. It's not necessarily no. a negative or a knock on the this track. Yeah, again, I think it's it serves its purpose really really well. It just bothers me and it, not because it's done poorly, just because it it does. It's just it, typically we reserve threes for for songs we have in the past. Reserve three for a song that's just kind of it is what it is. Um, um, it's neither good nor bad. And in this one, I just kind of slightly t- trend towards bad. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the last song is uh, John 1941. It's an instrumental, just kind of, you know, sums up oh, what just happened. And um, yeah, so let's, we'll close it out with John 1941. This is really beautiful, you know, really nice reprise. You see the little Gethsemane. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of just, it's, it's like it's saying, Gethsemane is really the most important song. Yeah, we're acknowledging that. But I mean, it's also like depressing because you're just like, okay, now Jesus is dead. The musical's over. This is like the, the you know, what's playing like at the open casket. You know, you're like, it's just, this is depressing too, but in a, in a better way. Much better like, way, yeah. You you can listen to this and just be sad that the musical and all the good times are over. Right. The other one is sort of just like, you feel like you have a fever. Yeah, exactly. It's very unsettling. And this and this is on the movie when they're like loading the back into the van, right? They're just yeah. like packing everything up. Yeah. That was nice. I like that. That's yeah, a really a beautiful piece. It's just as <clears throat> it's just as sad as a crucifixion, but not as gruesome. <laughs> and I'm just glad they decided to throw this on. Yeah, exactly. And just like you were just filing out of the uh, theater after the <laughs> last one. God, I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's still it's still pretty depressing but um yeah it's it's after the crucifixion this is like an upbeat like oh yeah i feel a lot better about this yeah there is meaning to some of this all right what do you guys think of john 1941 it's a three or a four i mean it's hard to tell it seems like a four because it came after the last one other elsewhere in the musical it would probably seem more like a three so which one would you like to go with Three, four, 3.5? No, I'm not going to take the coward's way out this time. I'm going to say it's a three. <laughs> the coward's way out. <laughs> John, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with the four. Um, I just thought it was really a, a nice reprise of some of the themes and a, a great way to end it. You know, um, I think it was sad in a different way. Because mm-hmm. when I hear that, I'm just sad as like, that the musical's ending, you know, yep. and it doesn't really end upbeat. It's just, it's, it's just an ending. 
Uh, it doesn't end upbeat or like depressing. It's just kind of an ending and an ending is always kind of sad. So, right. Except if your car stereo is broken, which happened to us at one point. So when you put a disc in, you're like, we're just going to be listening to this for a month. <laughs> and so then as soon as this one ends, it's just back to, there he is. They're all asleep. The fools. <laughs> oh no. Oh, Did it happen no. to you with this? Uh, I think this is one of the, it, it was one of those things where um, whenever you put in a disc, it would have a one in a hundred chance of working. So once you got a disc in, you just left it there. For oh, so you're just like, we're so listening to this. I think it did happen to this for like, you know, two weeks, but there were many other albums also that we were just like, well, this is just going to be on repeat. <laughs> I hope we re- So you have to really look at that CD before you put it in and say, how highly do I rate this CD? Yeah. I, I wish Keenan was around because she would, she would remember if this was one of the ones. <laughs> All right. So, John, did you rate this one? Yes. Yes, you did. Um, I will also give it a four because I think it does a really great job of... um, In my mind, I kind of had it as being more of a... um, Like a a medley of more songs, but it's really just basically Gethsemane with the... um, With the... uh, What what do you call it? Um, uh, Last Supper a little bit or the Arrest a little bit put it yeah. put at the end so um but it's, yeah it's very very well done um i think we have time for one quick round of rank the jesuses <laughs> we might have to save that for a bonus episode <laughs> but i definitely do want to do that um yeah perhaps we should uh but we should experience all the jesuses first but I think what we need to do now is is see how this album stacks up against all of our other uh all of the other albums that we've rated. Yes, sir. John's all usually right. John usually does the honors here of of yeah, saying where this stacks up. It's my job. All right. So it's um All right, so we'll just do like, you know, the you know, since it's me and me and Nate usually. Uh it's a combined um, eight. Oh, where'd it go? Eight point five two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, very small variance. We almost rated it the same. Um, so that that comes. Um, that's within. Not surprisingly, the the top albums or top things that we that we enjoy here. Like um, it, uh, it sits up there with. Um, California Jam, White Snake, Rainbow, Rising, and then Jesus Christ Superstar. So it's uh, it's right in the top four. Yeah, and California Jam is kind of an anomaly because it's based on like a live video performance. Right. So really, White Snake, Rising, and then that, and then Long Live Rock and Roll. So it's sandwiched between two Rainbow albums, um, which is kind of kind of interesting. Um, Long Live so, Rock and Roll ranked to that high. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Because oh, um, I, I was like, I feel like we kind of ragged on it a little bit. But yeah, it wound up getting 8.4. <laughs> Not that much, apparently. Yeah. Um, but White but, Snake um, still has the tops. I, th- I thought this might knock White Snake out of the top slot, but apparently not. Never, never. We'd never do that to Coverdale. <laughs> <laughs> that album is pretty damn good, gotta say. Um, so let me see. So, um, all right. So, so far with our combined guest rating, 
Um, so uh, let me see. Um, it's a 12, 12.69. So this is the, the highest guest ranking of an album that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, actually individually and combined because Paul, your rating was a 4.17, which um, I think you gave out a, gave out a couple of twos, which, you know, kind of, kind of hurt it, it a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So me and Nate were almost like neck and neck here. Like Nate liked it the most. I liked it second most and you third most. So, um, I think but I you, mean, they were all if you very, take out very the close. crucifixion and like yeah. maybe Hosanna, this is probably yeah. our top album ever, <laughs> but I mean, it's very, very, very close. Um, um, just brought it, me on as a guest uh, to trash the album and be the controversial, <laughs> like uh, heel. <laughs> yeah, Paul the heel, Paul the heel Hughes. Yeah, but um, no, but I, I just think that um, it was uh, with things like this, like one or two kind of songs, because I think yours was Hosanna, which you rated really low. I think that kind of just knocked it down a little bit. But if you don't look at that, I mean, we pretty much all like rated things very highly on this. Yeah, so. the number of fives. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of I was songs. Feeling stupid giving out fives at a, at a certain point. Like, me, me too. <laughs> but I mean, these songs are a lot different than listening to an album. I mean, you know, we're listening to a musical too, and I mean, a musical that like really resonates with us. So this 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 has between the twenty eight fives between the three of us, and that's not including the two four point nines that Paul gave. So. <laughs> That's almost thirty five. That's a lot for a twenty three track album. Twenty two tracks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is probably one of the longest albums, like song wise, that we like is more songs than we've rated on than any other album, right? Yeah, and I, John went five songs in a row with all fives. Paul went four songs with five, with all fives, and then two four point nines. So I went four fives in a row. So. Yeah, this is pretty highly rated. Mm-hmm. And rightly I'm so. Surprised. I'm not surprised. It's just really funny because it's like we've done all the original, like, uh, Deep Purple albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Purple proper, you know, from Mark 1 to Mark 4. And um, um, before, you know, before the 80s. And... I mean, if you take out California Jam, it's just like you got one, two, three, four, like four bands before you even get to Deep Purple yep. on this list. And it's, not even, and it's not even Mark II. Yeah. You, I you was got quite Storm- surprised that this beat every Mark II album. We, yeah, we got Stormbringer, Come Taste the Band, and then Green Bullfrog, then Burn, and then Butterfly Ball, then Spectrum, mm. uh, Medusa, then Machine Head. So Machine Head is like is like twelve number twelve on the list or something. Yeah, I mean it's it's, pretty good though. Which I mean, I guess if you like, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess if you're just like the the Deep Purple family is just so large that I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me. But at the same time, it kind of does. But it's large and it's strong. I mean, when you look at like albums like Butterfly Ball and the the David Coverdale's White Snake album and Rainbow Rise, all these albums are just partial to Green Bullfrog. Green Bullfrog is phenomenal. All of these albums are so strong. Yeah. And And they're all different, too. And they're all strongly related to Deep Purple. Yeah. And they're all different elements, too, because, I mean, if you have like, you know, Purple like Mark II, it's like, yeah, they were great, but 
they did that they did that one thing great you know here you're talking about you know different musicians like you know uh, like orchestras like these bass players that are doing this wild stuff like it's like you you know now that you you open up the box to all this different stuff it's like yeah some of it might beat out deep purple proper just because you know you're not you the box that you're putting it in the deep purple family is huge yeah. so but it's still surprising to me the machine head is so relatively i mean it's still high oh yeah and, but i mean it's relatively low um how many total albums have you rated? Oh, um, good question. Let's see. Um, got on here, Nate. Uh, 40, yes, 48? No, 50? 47. No, we, nope. Nope, we have rated 79. Well, there have been 79 episodes, but if you look at the... Um, it's 47 albums that we've rated... The other episodes are just about other things. No, I'm looking at I'm looking at the albums on the spreadsheet. Right. There's only there's 47 of them. So if you look at the who knew that this was going to be the most controversial question? Oh, you're, right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. A thing about Jesus. You're right. <laughs> the most <laughs> for <laughs> how many albums did we rate? No, um, no, you're right, Nate. I was looking at the wrong number. I was just like 79. How is that possible? So yeah. yeah, so we've done we've done quite a few, and we, you know, we could grow old doing all of them, and we probably will. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that one. That's the whole premise for the show is it, just if we just rated albums that the people from Deep Purple were on. That would give us six years worth of episodes, and we've only done about half of our episodes, on, or a little more than half of our episodes, based on those actual albums and other topics. So that's why it's a uh, it's a topic that will never be fully fully realized. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was an honor, and uh, it was super fun. Oh yeah, thanks for coming on. And yeah, really, like I said, when we when we tackle uh, Jesus Christ superstar topics in the future, we do need to talk to you and rate the Jesuses because that's something we're excited about. <laughs> yeah, and, and then um, also the movie someday. But um, to, if we did a fifth episode in a row, we might have some uh, some revolt on our hands. So I, I don't know. I think that there might be like after a while, there could be like a, you know listener listener demand for Paul to become a permanent. Third host. <laughs> Absolutely, I've already got some, I've already gotten some of that today. Actually, thank you, uh, unnamed listener. Who is me? Well, it's the unnamed <laughs> listener you actually know in real life, but <laughs> it's not your mom, though. <laughs> is it Jen? It's not Jen. Well, well, I'm on that list. This is this is a lot of fun. I yeah, for sure. If if for nothing else than to hang out again, we'll need to yeah. dig up some more Jesus Christ Superstar or other topics. Yeah. Paul has yes. been known to like other things in the Deep Purple family, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, open invite. Well, great. I look forward to seeing you guys again. Yeah. Blessed be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh. th- thanks for coming on the show, Paul. It's been a it's been a blast. This this uh, in October Deep this Purple a- uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar Month. This has been a wild ride. All right. Have a good one, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. 
You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Now what are we going to do? It's just going to be us two schlubs. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be boring. Next week, I'm just going to see his face and be like, hmm. Uh, let down. the politics of Jerusalem in a completely inappropriate context in a different album. <laughs> yeah.